In this episode of Novel Predictions, Allison admits to how much she likes tropes. I feel like yeah. I probably got the tropes because they were pretty obvious from the beginning that this is going right, to be a trope-heavy romance. Right, but they didn't annoy me. No, no, I love fucking tropes. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm a romance novel reader. I love tropes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you cannot be a romance novel reader and not love tropes. Welcome to Novel Predictions. I'm Kales, and I'm rereading Anna and the French Kiss by Stephanie Perkins this month. And I'm Allison, and I read it for the very first time. And I have to warn you all is that we're all still in quarantine. Everything still sucks in the world. Allison and I are having drinks. This is our happy hour. Yeah. Um, And it's our happy hour novel predictions. So we welcome you um, to... Make a drink of your favorite, pull your beer out, um, open a bottle of wine, and enjoy with us, which makes sense because we're going to be talking about Paris. Paris and love. What better time to, to drink, <laughs> either right? to their happiness or to your sorrow? I mean, right. Yeah. Either one. So, Anna and the French Kiss uh, by Stephanie Perkins was written over 10 years ago. Yeah. And I want to know, Allison, what did you think of this book? I liked this book. I'm glad to hear it because I also liked this book with a hesitant, yeah, like a, a slightly hesitant tone. Right, right. And I wonder it's if it's because we're almost we're closer to thirty than we are twenty. Yeah, I does that make I, sense? Yeah, <laughs> I because so. I feel like at, if nothing else for this book, I really feel like it's a YA book. Oh, I think it's very. It's a very good example of really representing teenagers like right it does a really great job with that and it's just hard for me to relate in a lot of ways because I'm not at all a teenager but I think about YA and I think about the audience of YA and what it's supposed to be and when I originally read this book back in 2012 right you were just just right there just out of it. yes I was just out of it which knowing my emotional development means you were in it Yes, I was in it because I'm <laughs> delayed in everything I do all the time. We just joke that middle school didn't happen in my life and that middle school was the equivalent of high school or high school was actually middle school for me and college was actually high school. But my point was that I really feel like that this is a teen YA book. And that's why like, I, wanna, I wanted to start there because we're going to rail on this book a little bit. We're going to talk about Anna's immaturity a little bit and the frustration with them not talking to one another because I'm sure you felt it. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to preface it by saying, like, if there are any teen listeners, which I don't know if we have or not, if we do, welcome. Thank you for being here. But yeah, excuse, if we do, it's excuse all the you. cursing. Sorry about that. <laughs> if teens, <laughs> teens curse. Teens curse. Yeah, I know. I trust me. I work with teenagers. I accidentally curse in front of them sometimes. I feel bad, and then okay. they laugh at me because I feel bad. <laughs> I dropped the f bomb in the middle of everyone at Denver Pop Culture Con when I was running a panel. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> you you literally told me not to cuss whenever we were doing our Harry Potter trivia and the first thing I did was say shit. So like Yeah, you did. We're we are a prime example of terrible influences, but it that's not true. 
but that's okay in that in that one realm <laughs> in the one realm of swearing yes um which is the whole reason my mom's so funny she's like i listen to your podcast sometimes and i was like i didn't think you listened to us because we swear and she was like well yeah i don't like that part but <laughs> i still listen so, sorry tanya shout out to we mom. love you <laughs> um but I, that's why i just want to say it because it like it really is such a teen book and like as an 18 year old or a 16 year old or 15 13 like this is where your brain is at and i remember yeah. being that age and I don't want to criticize the book just because we're looking at it at the lens of late 20-somethings. Right. No. And I, I think I obviously haven't read this book before. So I don't have the, like, um, pull back to my teen years of, like, remembering how I felt. But, like, that Kales does. But I obviously was able to pinpoint the things that made me feel cringy or wanted to yell at the book because like if you just fucking have a conversation it would be fine um but i i was able to with this writing style i was able to like put myself back and say okay how would you have felt about this if you were 17 and like exactly honestly if i was 17 and i read this book i probably would have been like yes this is me this is like you know, the idealized life, these, these are things I'm relating to. So I tried to put myself in that mode and it worked pretty well because the writing was good. I mean, it wasn't, there's no, I don't really have any qualms with the writing style of this book. And I, yes, exactly. I think Stephanie Perkins does an excellent job. Like one of the things that I thought about in my head, because I listened to the book on audiobook, which I I didn't do the first time. One, the audiobook reader is excellent. Yeah. Two, the one chapter that it kind of hit me was when she switched from being drunk. So she, like, went from... She goes to a party mm-hmm. with all of her friends for her 18th birthday. And because they're in France, they're allowed to drink. And the tone and the voice shifted so well into what it is like being drunk. I've yeah. had experiences being drunk, being tipsy, being, you know. And, like, I was listening to the book and doing my cross-stitch, and it was such a great turn that I was like, oh, th- she... Stephanie Perkins just has a really great concept of voice and you can just tell. And that was, I think, a really great benefit to this book that I don't always see in YA. It's always sometimes like a 30-year-old trying to write in the voice of a 15-year-old. But for Stephanie Perkins, this felt like Anna was 18. Yeah. And I would say, too, like, as a person who has experienced drunkenness as a teenager... um, I have not. Right. So like, I, like I read that and I was like, oh yeah, that's it. Like, like I that's also did not mean to is. say that as like a prudish moment. I just was trying to emphasize that I don't have that perspective. Yeah, Sorry no, guys. That's why I, that's why I brought it up. Cause like, <laughs> okay. I have that perspective of like what you think when you're drunk as a teenager versus what you think when you're sober as a teenager is incredibly different, obviously. Right. They're disparate things. But also yeah. what you think when you're drunk as an adult versus what you think when you're drunk or when you're sober as an adult is, I feel like, even more, like, it's more similar. Like, you're, you kind of, yes. you know how to be drunk, which is a weird thing to say. But <laughs> no, like, it's true. You Yeah, you, like, know that you're having irrational thoughts or you, like, are like, oh, I can kind of conceptualize. Like, I'm not trying to get too close to my microphone at this moment. <laughs> 
Right. I can say, okay, I can feel this alcohol and I know that what the alcohol is doing is affecting what I'm doing. Right. But when you're a teenager, especially the very, very, very first time you drink, which is what's going on with Anna in the book, you have no fucking idea what it is like to be drunk and what that looks like, what that feels like, how you're going to change. Exactly. So I really feel like the the um, perspective flip from sober Anna to drunk Anna was really good. And then I feel and- like the perspective flip from drunk Anna to hangover Anna was even better. So good. So good. I'm so glad you brought it up because I love that chapter after. And I yes. love that it chapter. It was maybe my favorite Roshni. chapter of the book. She was just like, what yes. happened? Like, And there's all these revelations and all these things. And it's this interesting concept, too, as a if you compare that her being drunk in that chapter to earlier when um when Etienne is drunk. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and she's sober taking care of him. And you like she kind of has this like not really superiority, but this kind of like, oh, like, oh my God, he's so drunk. Like this moment. Yeah, yeah. this like this would this is ridiculous. And then when she gets drunk, it's like almost worse. It is a little bit a lot of it <laughs> so i think that's a really really interesting um contrast and i also think it's written really well like you're saying like it feels like a teenager is speaking through this book not like a 40 year old woman is speaking through a teenager through this book like well and it's also it makes me think of like you know sometimes there's like sci-fis and and dystopians that like mature the 16 year old like I think about Katniss's voice I don't always think of Katniss as a 16 year old but every time I read and listened to Anna I knew instantly what age she was right I feel like that's super true like I I love the Sarah J Moss books we both love Sarah J Moss Mm -hmm. but her characters don't feel like teenagers she doesn't write them like teenagers and that's why we as adult fucking women love those books Mm -hmm. they read like 25 year old women exactly so this book did a really great job of pulling that t- real teenage perspective in. It reminded me of being 18, not being certain about fucking anything. No. And also, like I said last time, the like bitchy little part of you as a teenager that hates anything your parents tell you to do, like go to Paris. Yes. yes. Well, it's just, <laughs> it's so, and that's what like going back to what we did in our first episode of like, there was this book and then I feel like, to all the boys I loved before was a step up from it because it rounded out the characters a little bit more right. with like giving them fam- giving Laura Jean family problems and and you know making her diverse uh, main character and you know but again both of those books I'd put them on the same level when it comes to voice of being like yes this is a teenager like yeah. this is how you felt when you were 18 and that's the purpose of YA right and it's just it's always when people are like what what book should I read after to the, to all the boys I love before? I instantly think of Anna and the French kiss and Lola and the boy next door and Isla and the happily ever after. And we don't have those books. It makes me want to put them back in stock again because they really are great books. And, you know, honestly, I didn't find a lot of it problematic. I was actually really proud of like that moment when Anna got all upset at Amanda for calling uh, Meredith a uh, dyke. Yeah. And like, they were actually really progressive. And I know that like Lola has, um, two dads in this sorry i'm trying to swallow and swallowing feels weird um (laughs) 
Did we mention but we're drinking? We're we're drinking. This is happy hour. It's quarantine, guys. It is okay. We're you off are the rails. allowed to cope as needed because there's a lot of shit going on in the world. Yeah, we started drinking because we had shitty weeks and we needed to drink to talk about cute Paris books. So right, that is how it went. So that's where we're at. <laughs> but but my point is yeah. is that like I remember thinking that these books were really progressive for 2012 in YA because this is you know prior to the there's always been a need for diverse books but my point is is that like push for it right there was this surge of diverse books which i'm so glad that in ya that we've been ahead of the curve when it comes to fiction you know with like the controversy that went on earlier this year holy shit was that earlier this year with american dirt jesus fucking christ that was like two months ago and i don't even want to think about it i'm gonna stop so (laughs) my point is is that ya is ahead of the curve and and so i was i feel like this book holds up do you agree yeah, I didn't honestly, I mean, I had problems with this book for myself, for my personal beliefs, which we kind of touched on last yes, time. and we I talked about the cheating to. thing. Yeah, we'll get there. But in terms of like us rereading books that are old and finding really problematic shit in them, I didn't. Thief Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't really feel that way at all I when I was either. reading this one. Yeah, I feel like it holds up, other which than, makes me happy. Other than, like, it would have been nice to have, like, a non-heterosexual relationship in the books. Um, yes. But other than that, like, there's no, there's nothing that makes me want to stop reading. There's nothing cringy to me, really. No. Um, and there's no, like, um, blind spots that the author yes. is is adopting because it's easier for them. Yeah. So, I think she does a really great job. Yeah. I and and so this, you know, almost 20 minutes is to say we liked this book. Yeah. I think so too. What did you end up rating it? I wrote it I rated it 4 on Goodreads, but I think it's more like a 3.5. Like that's where I feel. So I gave it a 3, but for me it's a 3.5. Like that's where I sit with it. Yeah. Of, and that's I gave it a 3 beforehand, but 3 in my head on Goodreads is like it's hard for me cuz my rating on Goodreads is like Three is I liked it. Yeah, three is I I liked it. Right. Four is I really liked it. Five is I loved it. You need to read this book because there's nothing above that. Like, same. That's why I reserve my five stars of like, I want to shove this book into everybody's hands. Yeah, I'm pretty stingy. You're very, very stingy with five stars. But I'm pretty stingy with five stars. So it's like a four. I rated it four, but really it's like a 3.5 because I'm a rounder up and you're a rounder down. I remember I... I remember I ended up giving Isla four stars because Isla is my favorite. Yeah. And she three. is she is in this one. Right. Which was so cool for me to go back and read because I read them as they came out. Right. So I didn't remember Isla. Yeah. And in this book. But, but when she popped up, I was like, oh, my God, it's Isla. <laughs> but Lola's not. Lola's not because right. Lola comes from America. Okay. And it is related through the movie theater. A Lola uh, is another employee at the movie theater. With with Toph and yes. Anna. Okay. So Isla's con- so Isla's connection is through the school, right. but Lola's connection is through the movie theater. So you'll see if you read Lola and the Boy Next Door when Lola works at the movie theater, um Etienne and Anna come by to see movies. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And she also has a crush on Toph. Why? He's I so don't terrible. know. I don't know. <laughs> I, if I remember that correctly, it makes me want to go back and reread it again. Because again, L- Lola's my least favorite. Okay. But that's only because L- Lola is the most different from me. 
She mm. like has purple hair. She like wants to be a costume designer. She's very out there. She's dating a fucking boy named Cricket. I don't get it. She's very like extrovert. Yes, she's not me, which is not a bad thing. But that was why I didn't like her as much. Like Anna, I related to her because of her anxiety and yeah. her um, her kind of geekiness with film. And then Isla is also kind of like a secret artist and like. Did Lola? Was- did Lola feel like? manic pixie dream girly no 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 oh i no no lola is lola god lola just is like this amazing free spirit and just she's not manic pixie dream girly because it's about her it's not about cricket and right but like if it was cricket story would she be manic pixie dream girl maybe but it's been a while okay yeah, I also really related to Anna's, like, social anxiety or just anxiety mm-hmm. in general. Like, I thought, you know, me reading her stuff and people coming after me, like, I can't believe you haven't been out to explore on your own. And I was like, yeah, that'd be me. Like, yep, that's scary. Like, I don't know. You're in a foreign country. You don't speak the language. You're terrified of fucking it up. Um, I related to her a lot on that. And I think mm-hmm. I also related to her progress towards being more okay with it because mm-hmm. because there's kind of a you know you you get put in a situation like this is kind of a weird example and maybe not particularly accurate but like when i went to greece for a month for, for study abroad what i said that's pertinent yeah i mean i obviously i knew like five words in greek like that's terrifying Hercules, Adonis, no, sorry. <laughs> Not names. <laughs> Words. Okay, come on, that was funny. I can still say hello. Can you really? Yeah, Epharisto. I, I, I know jack shit about Greek, except different Greek foods, because I have a Greek Orthodox extended family side. That's fucking in Greek mythology. Apparently, apparently, and this could have been a fucking lie on the shopkeeper's part, but apparently I said Epharisto so authentically that he thought I was Greek. Bullshit. Yeah, he was probably fucking lying to get me to spend money, but it worked. That's cool. Anyway, but I had that same thing where I was like, I'm scared to talk to people who are native speakers. Like, I don't want to sound like an idiot. Um, And I can only imagine that pressure being tenfold when you're like i'm here for three months or four months or whatever like i'm stuck and Mm -hmm. like i could see this person again like that's a terrifying thing so i really related to her on that too i just i don't know i ended up liking the adventure more like it was really fun to go back to france and like make me think of because i've been blessed enough to get to go to france but i was younger and it makes me sad. I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to go to Shakespeare and Company. I want to go see St. Saint, uh, Saint Etienne's Church, you know? Yeah, like, you want to, like, was... go back as an adult. Yes, and it was fun to think about the different little landmarks that were there. I think she did a good job of creating Paris as a character as well, you know, with the different landmarks. And, like, the ending scene when they finally confess their love to each other on the top of the cat. Like, it's oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I have not been to Paris, and I feel like I – felt like I knew where we were going like she did a really great job of of describing it and I could be like you know I'm a visual person and so I could be like oh like this is kind of relative to where these things are like her her world building of Paris um it was superior so yeah I mean we really liked this book 
again, when we get to, when we get to the questions, I feel like we're going to start being more negative. We're being very we positive right now. But but I want to but I really do want to emphasize the fact that like I did like this book. Yes. But I am a 28 year old woman rereading it. Like I read it eight years ago when I was 20, 19, 20. Yeah. And I was still very immature, still very like in my second relationship that I've ever been in in my life, like discovering what love is. And, you know, those feelings were very raw and very similar and very relatable. And that is not the case now. But we have to just emphasize that fact to that Stephanie Meyer did a good job of writing YA for young adults. Yeah, I will say my um, husband's mom, who reads all the books with us, shout out Lisa, you're awesome. Yeah, um, hey, <laughs> she texted me a couple days ago and said like this was a really good pick for like this time because it's very like sweet and yeah and yes! light. So kudos yes! to Kales. <laughs> I didn't make you read Ramona Blue about the aftermath oh, of a hurricane. My God. I yeah. was. I was so going to make you read Ramona Blue, but I didn't. Well, we're going to continue on the like fun train. Thank God. <laughs> I'm I not need about something. my reading. My reading list is so. Ugh, my reading. I have to read a book about DNA. No. Ugh. No, thank you. I don't want to. Yeah, we're going to we're going to keep going. Um, good. But uh, yeah, so we shout out to you for picking a good book for quarantine. Thank you. The last thing that I want to mention before we go into your predictions mm-hmm. is I want to mention one thing that I didn't remember, because okay. on the cover of the old edition that I have, Anna is very perfect looking mm-hmm. and she doesn't have the skunk stripe in her hair. She doesn't have the gap in her teeth. And I want to talk about the kind of unconventional looking couple that they are right because he's shorter than her and he's a little effeminate and I wanted I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I remember because when it was coming up again I remember that being a thing in my head of like oh isn't that really cute that they're like not a conventionally attractive couple right and I just want to know if you noticed that. Like, did that bother you? How did you feel about that? Or was it not a thing at all? It Like, obviously, they mention it, like, a fair amount. Um, Etienne has a couple of times where he's like, well, I'm short. So, like. Yeah, and but- he has a Napoleon obsession. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Anna has that whole, which this is where I start to talk negative about the book, has that whole complex of, like, being very beautiful, but also being like, I'm not cute. Yes. Because I'm not conventionally pretty. Right. Which I do feel like when you're in high school and when you're 17 and 18, you don't really understand. You can like conceptualize, but you don't really understand that people can be really and truly like attractive, like physically, yes. sexually attractive in the most traditional sense without being traditionally beautiful. Yes. Um, so that again kind of made her character feel more authentically teenager. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she was like, I'm not beautiful, whatever, whatever. Etienne was like, you are super beautiful. But the other thing, what's kind of funny to me is that like, I also think high school is very focused on traditional male beauty standards and like height is a big one. Yes, unfortunately. Right. So um, I think it's interesting that he's like, I'm short. And he is. I mean, he's shorter than. He's three inches shorter than her. Right. Um, But also, like, there's this whole idea that all the girls want him. 
Right? Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Like, he's got to be fucking, like, so cute. Like, if you're... She talks about his hair a lot. Yeah. I think about his curly hair. (laughs) She talks about his hair. I think he's probably got a really cute smile. You know, like, all these things. Yeah. But to be... To overcome that bias of height in high school, especially, I think there's kind of a... You got to be fucking real cute. Like... Either that or all the girls are, like, super short. They're, like, 5'1". Right. (laughs) Yeah, so I it didn't, um, it, I didn't really notice it. Like, yeah, I didn't notice them as like a non-conventional couple, really. Um, because he's always like, "You're so beautiful," and she's like, "Oh, I wonder if he likes me." Like an idiot. And <laughs> <laughs> he gave you fucking Pablo Neruda. Like, ah, I, that was I the read- most frustrating part of this whole book was when he was like, "Did you read the poetry yet?" All like salty and whatever and she's like no and then she still doesn't read it for like fucking months like i know i would have ran home and read it to figure out what was going on i know she's like you said it was for school bullshit he's like it's fucking sexy love poetry like are you kidding it is it's fucking paulo naruda i spent so many times in my junior so much time in my junior year analyzing him comparing the land to the body of a woman and the translations of it in spanish fuck i read so much pablo naruda in 11th grade Man, like, it's funny for me to read it because I guess maybe because I was immersed in it that, like, I instantly know Pablo Neruda is, like, sex poetry. Yeah. So it's interesting that that that's a funny thing. Yes, their couple, couple them didn't really bother me as, like, a non-traditional couple. Um, I feel like there's certainly a YA tendency to at least make one of the parties non-traditionally attractive fair now maybe now more than in 2010 um just because like we're trying to fucking spread like body positivity and like fuck up the body dysmorphia that a lot of people have um so i feel like i was i was prepared for that maybe it would have hit me harder in 2010 you know yeah that's fair and and because it was a teen romance Yes. I was, like, on board with it, and it was fine. I feel like it's obvi- it's way more emphasized in adult romance if one of the partners is non-traditionally non- attractive. Yes. Probably because they're getting naked. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you know? um, so, spoilers about Isla and the Happily Ever After. So, obviously, all four couples, three couples, excuse me, converge at the end somehow. Mm. And um, Isla and Entian or not Isla, fuck me. It's because Isla's my favorite. Anna and Entian get engaged. Oh, cute. In the middle of college, and then they pr- they say they're going to get married at the end of college. Oh, it's like me. It is like you. Oh, that's, that's why I wanted so to spoil sweet. it. Yeah. It's really great. Although, Nate, yeah. We didn't yeah. start dating our senior year. That's like kind of a short timeline. <laughs> well, they dated for two years. Uh, yeah, two years, 18 to 20. Like, oh my God. Well, yes. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But I just wanted to tell you how they end up because it's very sweet. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um. So shall we go to your questions? Sure. Yeah. So I feel like warning, I got like 50-50. I think you did okay. Warning. Um, we're going to be relying on the other podcast to tell us what happened because I was dumb and didn't write down Allison's responses. Because here on Novel Predictions, we ask a series of questions to help guide our new reader along with their predictions 
and they answer those questions. Um, there's like seven or eight of them. And then we compare in this episode how well they did. Yeah. And at least I do remember the answer to your first question. Mm. Yes. It's a hard one. Which is the question was, does the main character fall in love? And Allison said. Yes, she falls in love. With who? With Etienne Sinclair. Yes, of course. Of course she does. Of course, of she, course does. she does. And you'd say with uh, Etienne Saint Clair. With Etienne, yeah, um, yeah. Of course. I mean, ob- I mean, obviously, it's a romance. Obviously. <laughs> well, would you like to insert rant about cheating here? Sure. So because <coughs> you turn, I will before you start. Real quick, I will just say because of our previous episode, I noticed it way more. But go for it. Okay. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. That makes me feel good. Um, the emotional cheating is rampant. Like... Extreme. Like, so bad. And I really... The whole conversation at the end where he's like, I was scared to be alone and whatever, whatever. And she's like, uh, you weren't alone, you fucking asshole. I was here the whole time. It gutted me, right? Like, it's a gutting conversation. But at the same time, it was really well done. Because I feel like it was very real. Like, I feel like people go through that. Like, they build these very emotional friendships that are really more than that. But they can't act on it because they have morals. And the other person's in a relationship or whatever. And then it all blows up because that person was being obtuse and dumb um fair so i feel like a lot of times whenever cheating happens in a book one it turns me off completely like i am not here for it i hate it like i just don't think it's part of a healthy relationship start in any kind of reasonable way um but i will say for this book it felt very human and not malicious if that makes sense like a lot of times in adult romance novels the cheating feels like i'm like fuck that person i'm love you instead and i just can't wait to like go break up with them like i don't have the time to go break up with them i need you now and it's very selfish and manipulative and gross but in this book it felt more like real genuine like idiot human error yeah and he like immediately ran away to break up with his girlfriend which is the right fucking move and he did and he like didn't tell her right which is stupid teenager stupid. communication bullshit um especially because like they have phones i know so what's going I on thought about that too like do they I have cell phones they have cell phones right they have cell phones they're obviously not texting because they're emailing. Yeah, I don't know. They don't think they text ever. No, I don't know but the in, texting. But in 2010, texting was, like, expensive. Yes, it was expensive, but you still could have called somebody. I remember one time when I, in 20, in 2008, mm-hmm. I ran up an $800 phone bill for texting. <gasps> Were you texting Nate? No. <laughs> It was pre-Nate. Um, oh, that's I was texting my previous boyfriend, and 
my dad I'm got so- very angry at me. <laughs> I because it used to be like was, 30 cents per text and it it, co- it paid you you had to pay sending and receiving yep insane yep I remember I was such I didn't get a cell phone until my freshman year of high school and it was just for emergencies and I was like such a goody goody like I just never broke I god I didn't call anybody that wasn't fucking pre-approved it was ridiculous so stupid did I, I ever tell I you the story of how I got my first cell phone no, I want to hear it. Can okay. you share it with everybody else? Yeah, absolutely. Great. And when I, I think it was like 2007, if I had to guess. Um, That's about like freshman, sophomore year. Yeah, for you. So oh, it was yeah. Fuck, like... you're younger than me. I hate just, that. Yeah. So it was like eighth grade. Um, yeah. My dad, I don't know how this happened, but my dad had like dropped slash left his phone in a full glass of water for like 24 hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he got a new one obviously because that shit was broken well yeah and so like six months later um i he still had the old cell phone because like what do you do with old phones i still probably have like the last five phones that i have owned Um, i think i have the last like two yeah um because I've had phones that have exploded in my hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is yeah, a I was in college. <laughs> long story. It's a long story short of that. I was calling somebody and I, I tried to text them and my phone started smoking in my hand. Oh, my God. In my, col- in my college dorm, sophomore year of college. <laughs> That's so terrifying. That's when I got a smartphone for the first time, though. Yeah. So this was like a big like brick flip phone. Oh, God. Um, And it was singular, which no longer exists. <laughs> I had cricket. <laughs> nice. Um, so it was in this glass of water for like a full 24 hours. And then it was just in a drawer randomly somewhere um, for like six months. And so I found it and I went to my dad and I said, dad, if I can get this phone to work. Shut up. Can you. Will, Shut up. Will you be willing to like put me on your plan? And he was Shut like, up. sure, Allison, if you can get this phone to work that was sitting in water for 24 hours, you can have a cell phone. Shut up. And I fucking did it. What'd you do? I just like put it in rice for like three weeks. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then it worked. And I was like, look, it works. So like, let's get that plan started. <laughs> That's wow. the, literally the only reason I had a phone. Like, That's amazing. My parents were very resistant to it. And then I was like, well, you made me a deal. So I was starting I was starting high school and having after school rehearsals was the reason. So well, my mom drove yeah. me to the cricket store and got me like a little flip phone. And then we moved up to Sprint. Yeah. And then eventually moved to Verizon. And I think having that that phone was honestly better for my parents than it was for me. Like, yeah. Because I also, like, starting in high school, had really late rehearsals for musical Mm -hmm. theater and all this crazy shit going on. Yeah. It ended up being super helpful. Yeah. But beside that point, your second question, (laughs) because I cannot think of a segue because my brain is too fuzzy. Um, because I'm also out of my drink and it makes me sad. But it's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the second question is, what tropes do you think you'll see? Allison said. There's going to be like a love triangle situation. Okay. There will be, he will cheat on his girlfriend. Like, it's probably going to be one of those things where he like kisses her and then he's like, oh my God, like, what have I done? And then he goes and breaks up with his girlfriend, but she doesn't realize he's going to break up with his girlfriend and she thinks he's abandoning her. Oh, yes. And then he comes back and he's like, no, I was breaking up with my girlfriend because I want to be with you. Yes. 
basically all of them. Yeah. Let's just be real. Like that. It's very trope heavy. So many tropes exist. Yeah. The like, I think I said like, um, complaining about a totally reasonable and exciting situation. Yes. Um, uh, you said like pretty girl who doesn't know she's pretty or doesn't think she's pretty. Yeah. I think I said something about like boyfriend or like guy will has a girlfriend will cheat then yes. leave you for girlfriend thing yes Ugh. i feel like yeah. i probably got the tropes because they're pretty obvious from the beginning that this is going right, to be a they, trope heavy romance right but they didn't annoy me no no i love fucking tropes are you kidding me like i'm a romance novel reader i love tropes <laughs> <laughs> like you cannot be a romance novel reader and not love tropes that's fair so I love tropes. I just don't like all of them. And, you know, I have I struggle with the cheating one. But yeah. But other than that, like, y- you know, there's nothing so glaringly annoying about tropes. Like, I feel like in uglies, there were so many glaring, obnoxious tropes. Yes. That I just wanted to smack that book. That's fair. But this one felt less heavy handed, even though they're obvious. They're not overdone. That's true. Um, all right, next question is, who is the mentor? If so, how do they meet? Allison said. St. Clair is going to be kind of a mentor, and he's going to, like, drag her out and, like, make her experience life. Manic pixie dream girl style. Yeah, like, that kind of mentor of, like, look, things are happening. Like, let's dance in the rain. So you kind of got this one right because you said that um, St. Clair was going to be like her mentor to Paris and he is the first one to like bring her out of her dorm and you know her friends kind of become her guides throughout the city. Right. Yeah I mean honestly St. Clair is the only person in the book that she really spends any time with. Well she has moments with the other ones. Right. Yes. But that's what I'm saying like he she has moments, sure. Like, they're her friends. But St. Clair becomes her best friend, and they're, like, constantly exactly. together. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, it's a romance book, and it's focused on their relationship. So, I feel yeah. like there wasn't room for a mentor. Yeah, no. The teachers were, like, literally irrelevant. No, they had no purpose, except to break up the fights at the end. <laughs> right. Uh, the, like, R.A. Nate is, like, kind of relevant, like, a little, because he throws condoms at them and makes it that awkward. That was so great at Thanksgiving. Yes, so fun. I, honestly, the Thanksgiving portion maybe is my favorite portion of the book. Like, that's really great. Where they, like, in. platonically sleep together and, like, yes. it's so sweet and, like, Obviously, they're both feeling things, but they're, like, not acting on it. I think that was a big part of it for me where I wasn't as upset about the eventual cheating because there was a lot of restraint. Yes, there was. There was a lot of opportunity where they could have done things and then they didn't. Exactly. Like, he wasn't just being a scumbag and, like, jumping on the first pair of tits he saw. He was like, I have a girlfriend but I like this girl and I want to spend time with her and I don't know what that means. And she's not apparently a quote unquote reciprocating my signals. Okay. Can we just talk about that for a second? I 
was so annoyed with him when he was at the end when he was like, I knew that I said some bullshit to you when I was drunk that night and you said I didn't. And therefore you were not reciprocating. That was a bunch of bullshit. Isn't that insane? Like it was awful. She was trying to spare his fucking feelings and not embarrass him because he was drunk. Yep. And he's like, you fucked that up. Like, no, no, sir. That was on you and your fuck. If you knew that's what you said, then you should have said, hey, sorry I said I liked you, like, but I so, do. So what's up? Well, and yeah, let me just say that the first time I ever told my significant other that I think I, I, I think I said, I think I'm in love with you was when I was drunk. The first time I ever said it to him was he was asleep. And I was in the same room and I was like, and I looked over at him and I was like, oh, I think I love him. But that was like an internal conversation. Sure. But like the first time that I did it was like a week later and I was super drunk and I said it to him. And I remember asking him in the car, we were going back from the city, whatever city we were visiting. And, and he had said it to me beforehand, which I also would like to say that this was not the first time it was the L word was thrown out there. He had said it before and I told him I wasn't ready yet and that I thanked him. And, you know, it was a very mature conversation. But the first time I told him I loved him or that I think I love you was when I was super drunk. And I mm-hmm. asked him about it afterwards. And he was like, because um, I said it because I vaguely remembered it. I was like, did I say this? Like, did I say something weird to you? And he was like, what do you mean by weird? And I was like, did I express feelings for you? And he goes, um, you said I think I'm falling in love with you. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then we had a conversation in the car because he was like, did you mean it? And I was like, well, I think I do. But there was a lot of history and a lot of other shit that doesn't come to play in this. But, like, it's on it's not on the person yeah because you expressed the feelings drunk or no you know like, you were the felt, one who right. you know what you felt and you know what you said and you didn't say to her will you go out with me and she said no when you were drunk yeah you said i really like you that it's doesn't a, do, what is she supposed to say to that right. i like you back it's a like, fucking that's not cop the out point. it's such a cop it out. is such a cop out I will also say, now that we're on this tangent, that the first time Nate ever told me he loved me, he was also very drunk. And this is more evidence that you guys are the same person. We we <laughs> we have this. We have this. For those of you who are new to novel predictions, we have this running gag that I am the, like, female version of, of Allison's. Or I'm, like, his, like, sister from another mister or, like, the female <laughs> like version. doppelgangers. Something. It's weird. It's weird. I don't understand it, but okay. Yeah, he was really super drunk, and we were on the phone, and he said, if I say anything stupid tonight, just disregard it. And I oh, said, no! And I said, okay. And then later, when we were hanging up on the phone, he said, I love you, bye. And then we hung up, and then he called me back, like, within 10 seconds, and was like, hey, don't disregard that. <laughs> Which was so cute. Anyway. Yeah. The first time Seth said it to me was we were around a campfire and it was very, very sweet and it was super cute. But I had made the mistake previously in my life of saying I love you when I didn't love somebody. Yeah. So I took like the super mature approach of being like, thank you. This means a lot. I really like you. And I said, but I would be doing you a disservice if I said that I loved you back. And I said, that's not that I don't like I think we should end this. I not I don't think anything of that. I just I'm not there yet. And if you're willing to like 
still be with me then I'm cool with you doing that if you're cool with me not quite reciprocating it yet and he said okay and then I got a drunk week late I got drunk a week later and god I can't a week later a week later I got drunk a week later and ended up telling him like that you know it it ended up working out but it it's um I don't know I just feel like that in this book I was like you immature motherfucker yeah I was like you guys are fucking this up like come on another evidence though that they're teenagers yeah that's the thing it was very it was very like longing looks and like if one of them had said fucking anything i know that wouldn't be a book yeah but that's just how it goes and i think what's also very teenager and very frustrating for me as a 28 year old adult yeah is the like internalization of um doubt that they're being that the feelings are being reciprocated when they're fucking obviously reciprocated like they're like they're like i don't think he likes me like whatever whatever and you're like are you kidding me he just looked at you for 30 minutes like he fucking likes you there's no way he would like to jump your bones (laughs) right like i feel like there's so much of that i also will say just because you said jump your bones um I liked the way they handled her being a virgin and him not clearly not being a virgin. Yes. Um, in this book where like he was very respectful and like they didn't have sex in this book. Like Nope. It didn't happen. Um and I just felt like as, you know, when you're eighteen, at least in my universe, like I can understand why she was like embarrassed for that to be common knowledge but also like defensive about it and like <laughs> Sorry. i'm only laughing because you're right in your universe right. whereas i was like flaunting it like it was a fucking and that's why i made badge that of goddamn motherfucking honor like it, it just it oh god culture's funny yeah anyway keep going right and it's it's one of those things where it's like i just feel like he could have so easily been a dick about it yeah um and she on the other hand like on your side of the spectrum of like your experience could she could have so easily been like you fucking suck yeah for having had sex or whatever so i feel like that was really handled well in this book um if i'm not mistaken lola and cricket have sex and that's a thing in the book and like stephanie does a good job of handling that if i remember i remember lola not being a virgin i remember that because lola's hung up on some other guy Fuck, I need to reread these. Anyway, <laughs> what's the next question? The next question is, who is the villain? Allison said. We haven't met the girlfriend yet. Um, no, because she's a year older than them. Right, she's in college. So in the real world, what would happen is the girlfriend would dump this kid immediately because she's in yes. college now. I think I said that bitch girl. And you were right. Yeah. She becomes a heavy leaded bitch. Yeah, and she like she is a, a catalyst for Anna having detention and then Which is yeah. Etienne having detention and then them kind of like semi reconciling because of that um fucking breakfast club situation. Yep. So yeah, I feel you, like she's I the villain. Right. Like she's she's an antagonist. But she's an antagonist, right? Like there's no real villain in this story other than them not communicating. Ugh. But she's certainly the main antagonist for the main character. Yes. And she drives the story along with her, like, bullshit 
statements every once in a yeah. while. So, yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> oh, God, this question just doesn't apply. Um, who dies? Allison said. I don't think anyone's going to die. <laughs> cool. We're just going to move right past that one. <laughs> no one died. No one died. And I don't think I said anyone died. You did not say that anyone died. Because it's, it's a, romance, a romance and I wanted it to be happy. Um, I mean, there was threat of death, right? Like There Etienne's was threat mother. of death, which I completely forgot about. I forgot that was an entire plot point. I feel like it's a pretty major plot point, too. I know, and I forgot. Because I feel like they have a shared trauma of, like, ridiculous fathers. They do, which is actually really interesting to me. Yeah, and then they have, like, his mother's diagnosis really puts him in a dark place, and you see a totally different side of him. Yeah, exactly. Which I think has to happen in order for the relationship to be solid, In Mm -hmm. most, like, romance books, like, there has to be some kind of shift in one of the characters. So we see them as a three-dimensional character instead of a one-dimensional character. And then we can establish a relationship based on a full personality. Absolutely. So I feel like that was what that was for this this book. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, Also, maybe the father is really the main villain. That's what I was thinking about, too. You literally stole the fucking thought out (laughs) of my head. And I was like, huh, I wonder if Entian's dad is a villain in this. Because I think he, I mean, he obviously. I love what Anna suggests at the end. Yes, where he, like, tricks him. Yes, my God, the best. Yeah. So good. I feel like in real life that would probably backfire majorly. Yes, because he won't end up paying for it or something stupid, but yeah, but um, whatever, it's a book. But in fiction, it works really well. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I honest to God don't remember your answer. I to do. This I do remember. You do. Okay, great. What's the twist? Allison said. I just think it's like a fairly simple story. So here's what I think is going to happen. Anna's in Paris. This boy is very <laughs> fucking cute. Sorry. Like, yeah, you like where I started with the very basic. Yes. <laughs> This boy is super fucking cute. He wants to like take her out and like show her the world. I Aladdin can show. Style. Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and they are gonna do that, and then they're gonna like have feelings for each other, and then she's gonna, the girlfriend is gonna like a reappear, right? So Anna's gonna fall for this guy, yeah. but not. Not in a acknowledged way. They're not dating. They're just friends, but she's fallen for him. Hard. Hard. What did you say? Okay. So I said that Toph was going to come Oh, you said that Toph Anna. was going to come. Yeah. But that really wasn't the twist. He started dating her best friend. Right. It was like the opposite almost. Yes. Like Anna went home and discovered a relationship there instead of Toph coming to Paris and discovering a relationship there. Yes. So you were on the right track of find. There had to be some disruption with Toph because right. she had to break that bond, whatever it was. Exactly. You just went the wrong route. Right. So I did like kind of the opposite. I didn't expect her friend to betray her in that way, Ugh. which was hard. And like, I get that she's like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it's another thing that made it feel very high school. Um, yes oh my god where it was like i'm just gonna keep this secret and then expect you to forgive me on the back end instead of coming clean and just dealing with your anger up front yes um and like i get that anna forgave her but also like i feel like that's very indicative of a sneaky 
yes person like that's bridge and her would not be friends as adults right like that that relationship is over yes. as soon as they get high college friends like that's that kind of the vibe exactly, i got yep exactly that's kind of the vibe i got um but yeah so that's what i guessed is that toff would come and i was wrong um anna came instead of toff um so yeah yep yeah Yeah. i did not have any kind of guesses about etienne's trauma or his mother or any of that which i do think was a pretty big catalyst um, yeah, but I wouldn't call it a twist so much as, like, what happened with Anna Yeah, and that's true. I do think it was a big catalyst for them talking so much because yes. Etienne felt like she was the only person who was, like, genuinely interested instead of just yes. kind of feeling sorry for him. Yes, and being able to say, like, hey, I did this research and, like, right. this sucks and here's my questions. And, and he actually, I think he says something to her about, like, wow, how do you know all that? Yes, yeah, he and does. And it's like, oh, because I did this research because I care about you and right. I want to be able to have a real conversation, not just be like, oh, this sucks in your life. Right. Which I think is honestly a really powerful statement that she's making. Like, yeah, for such a teen novel where the characters feel like like fucking real ass teenagers and we can relate to those teenage struggles, um, mm-hmm. that was a very adult moment powerful moment yeah like because it's true like when you're going through a tragedy or you're going through something really difficult and people know about it a lot of what you get is like i'm sorry now take this emotional labor and tell me about it yeah instead of here's what i know like i don't know and like trying to relate and like sympathize instead of um pretending to empathize Yes. So I feel like that was really beautifully written and it felt kind of like what The Fault in Our Stars was trying to do, but what I (laughs) wanted to punch them in the face for doing (laughs) (laughs) and like making it smaller and more compact because it's not, doesn't take, it's not, it's part of your life, but it's not your whole life kind of thing. Yeah. When, when it's not you. Um, Yes. Yeah, I think it was beautifully written, that part. And that's the thing. That's why I struggle with, like, I really want Stephanie Perkins to write these novels again. Like, these novels have a place, and she had a voice for diverse voices and was able to, like, include neurodiverse characters, racially diverse characters, um, sexually diverse characters. And I just want her to go back to that. And instead, she's writing these, like, awful horror murder novels. And I'm like, I don't want those. Um, Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have not read any of her books except for this one, so I can't really speak to... That's okay. I've read all four books she's published, so... Um, she took a big fucking break. Yeah, she did. It was huge. Like, when she came back with There's Something Inside Your House, yeah, was like, it was a huge coming out party. I remember her. that, but I, I mean, I didn't read it, but I remember it being was, like, oh my oh god, my god it was so stupid. It was awful. <laughs> oh, so bad. Anyway... Um, why is the story from the main character's perspective? Why are they important? Allison said. Um, this should be easy. The new girl. There it is. Yep. Cause she's. You got the, this one right too. Cause, cause she's, she's the, the new, new girl. girl. Yep. Cause she's the new girl. It's the new girl. Like. Yep. It's that whole outsider perspective on the microcosm thing. Um, yep. Like, and she's new to Paris. She's new. Like literally everything about her is new. 
Mm-hmm. She's new to the country. She's new to the school. She's new to this group of friends. She's new to this boy. Like, everything. She's new and shiny. Yeah, she's new and shiny. Yep. No, it's true. Also, if we're going to, like, get away from what we love about this book, she's something that Etienne can try to fix. Yeah. Which is gross. <laughs> A little bit. A little gross. I mean, I get that that's the point of a lot of stories is, like, personal growth. But I feel like as both the boyfriend and mentor character in one. That's hard. There's a lot of, like, fixing energy, which is kind of gross. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I'll I'll fix you, girl. I'll fix you. Isn't that a song? I feel like it is. I feel like I'm quoting something. I'll fix you. I hear something in my head, but I can't sing, so it doesn't work. Um, what other stories does this remind you of? I think I said Mean Girls, which yeah. truly, the whole part with What's Her Name is with very Mean Amanda Girls. and Nicole. Yeah. Um, yes. What else did I say? I don't know. I think I said Glee? I don't know, but does it remind you of Glee still? Only in the, like, new girl thing. Fair. Um, I feel like I said several things, but I don't remember what most of them were. That's okay. Past Allison will tell you. Past Allison will tell you. We'll we'll figure that out in the editing phase. In the editing. Well, do you have any last thoughts you want to share about Anna and the French Kiss? Yeah, I think overall, I liked the book. Obviously, I have some problems with some of the choices and yes, some of like a couple of the tropes being used. But overall, I enjoyed it. I felt like it was fairly progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was very representative of teenage like mindset, yes, which is uncommon kind of now in YA. Um, I agree. It's like a rare gem. So I appreciate reading that, especially from... Because I feel like this was very... This was post... Sarah, or pre-Sarah J. Moss. It was. Explosion. Pre, like, sexed up... Yes. Characters that don't read like teenagers. But... So it has that going for it. And it didn't have the, like, cringeworthy social faux pas that you expect... <laughs> Yeah, from books from this era. So I appreciate that a lot. So yeah, I think it was, I think it was good. I I would I would recommend it to people who are interested in, you know, romance, comedy of errors kind of <laughs> books. I I agree. I think about you know wanting to recommend it to some teens that would really enjoy it. And I think it's just it was a nice, sweet, heartfelt. I mean, when I finished the body book this morning, I was just like, huh. Yeah. yeah like that's it's just kind of like. Oh, good. Like, yeah, and it's, oh, it's like, are right. fairly, like, tame across the board. Like, she gets drunk, yeah. obviously, once, but, like, you know, the, like, sheltered teens that come into the library, and I'm like, yes, can you, are you comfortable with these things, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I would feel fairly comfortable recommending this to most oh, people. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I agree, so... Well, now I feel like I need to go make sure that there's a copy on the shelf or at least available to order online at the bookstore. Yeah. For sure. Maybe I'll throw in a staff recommends there because it's it's a good one. It's a good fan for any of those who love, you know, to all the boys I loved before. Um, and it's a true know, romance. It is a true romance. There's a happy for now. 
it's really a happy ending because they end up together. Yeah, exactly. They end up together. They're going to college close enough that it, like there's not going to be long distance emotional strife. Like there's yeah. really a an outcome of of sweetness and, and light. And there's two more. Right. There's two more books written in the exact same style with two different voices because Isla and Lola are very different from Anna, except they all end in A's, but <laughs> four letter <laughs> words, four letter names. But, you know, they're all very different and still sweet love stories. And um, I think it's good. So I'm glad that I got to share this with you. Yeah, it was a good pick. What book are you going to share with me? Yee. Okay. Let's play this guessing game. All right. It's YA. Okay. Keep in mind I'm inebriated, so my <laughs> guessing capabilities are low. It's YA. Great. Um, Let's see when it was published. It's happy? It's... It has a happy ending. Okay. Are you going to put me through the fantasy ringer? It's fantasy. Fuck me. But, like, kind of. Like, it's mythical. Like bacon. Like, mythical. Okay. Um, it was published in 2016. Okay, so not it's four years old. And it is based on, um, like Middle Eastern mythology. Uh, you already had me read The Wrath and the Dawn. Uh huh. Is this a sequel? It's, nope. Thank God. Different author, different book. Uh, um, is it Midlist? Um, it was pretty, I mean, it was, like, between middle A, mid-list and triple A, like. Okay. Is the author female? Yes. And it is, like, cultural own voices. Yeah, that's, I, I don't think you would give me anything else. Yeah. Um, why am I only thinking of The Wrath and the, the Dawn? And then that really awful one that I read. That had the the abuse in it. Um, I don't know. What is this book? It is the Star Touched Queen. Oh, I'm so excited! By I Ra- haven't read this one by Roshani Chotsky. <laughs> yes. Okay, Roshani. I should have thought of Roshani, but you know what? I was thinking of the Gilded Wolves. I forgot about what her earlier. This was books her were. first published. This was her yes, first book. I was. Yes, I was thinking because she has a really great middle grade series, yes. Aru Shaw, that I love, yep. and The Gilded Wolves, and I haven't read The Star Church Queen. This is perfect. Yay! I'm so excited that you're excited because I'm excited. It's to a read duology, it. right? It's a duology. Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a duology. The okay. first book is about one sister, and the second book is about another sister. Oh, okay, great. So almost in the in the vein of you know Anna and Isla and Lola, like yes. they're about yes. different relationships. I like it. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm that's so, so excited funny too. because I forgot about those books because Rashani's she came up in my head as an author, but I was like, Gilded Wolves just came out, and the other one's a middle grade. I completely forgot Starcross Queen existed. Yeah, so Starcross Queen is about Maya. Um, okay, who she lives in. Don't tell me the whole thing. Right. But she's like the first minute. She's like she lives in the the kingdom. Her her father is a king or a okay. emperor or a something. Somebody. Hold on. Sultan. Sultan. Maybe a sultan. Um, And she is her marriage is being arranged. Ah, yes. So, so that's like great. the beginning of the book. 
Um, yes. And then it gets mythical and eerie and cool. Oh, I'm stoked. So, yeah, it's really, really good. It's 342, not super long. Yes. Yes, girl. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And it's on audiobook because it's been out for a while. I literally hadn't picked a book until five minutes before we recorded. And I went through the list and that one caught my eye. And I was like, fuck yes. Like, I want to reread that one right now. I love it. I'm so excited. So So that means. Yep. For May, we will be reading Star Touch Queen by Roshani Chotsky. I hope you read it with us. Or if you've already read it, because it was very popular when it came out. I hope you reread it with us. Um... I related this book to the Queen of the Tearling. I was talking about a bunch of queens. I I put it in a queen list. I'm excited. Oh, this is going to be great. Yay. So uh, join us in two weeks. I'm sorry this episode's late, but, you know, we're in quarantine and things Life's weird. Life's weird. So um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Follow us on social media. We have our Instagram and our Twitter page, uh, at Novel Prediction. You can also click on whatever app you're listening to us on right now and give us a five-star rating. That would be really, really helpful because there are so many podcasts in the world. I mean, we're, we were bouncing around ideas for a second one, but we were also intoxicated. So <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> that is not a promise. That was just a joke um, with an asterisk of truth to it. But <laughs> <laughs> my point is, is that we really appreciate you guys taking the time. We know that you have a lot of time right now. Um, we just hope you guys are staying well and that, you know, this provides you a little bit of an escape um, because I know it does for us yeah. when we're getting to talk about Paris and Anna and, and getting to delve into other books. So thank you guys for that. Yeah. And I know podcasts for me right now, the ones I listen to are making me feel connected to the world. And I hope yes. that we can do that for you and that you're you're surviving this quarantine. We're all surviving, not thriving. Yep. We're getting through and it. And that is how it is. So we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Yep, and you're going to read Star Cut Star Touched Queen with us in May and uh yeah, so I'm Kales and I'm Allison. Keep making novel predictions. Bye. Bye.